What's up, everyone? And welcome back to the show about sports. It's your host, Griffin Brock. As you know, week one, college football is underway. Currently watching the Giants get shellacked by the Cowboys. And we're going to have to get into that as this podcast episode continues here on a Sunday night. And I hope whenever you listen to this, you take a little something from it because we're about to see a lot of new narratives from a lot of media people going into week one after week one, I should say. So we're going to get into some of that. Also, kind of got to go on a rant for the Pac-12. I, as you all know, Washington State alum. And I don't know if you noticed, but uh, we upset number 19 Wisconsin for the second straight year in a row. So we are now taking applications. If teams would like us to be in their conference, we are no longer uh, trying to get in on our own goodwill at this point. And also we own the state of Wisconsin. So if you live there, I appreciated your time there. You're now named Washington State, uh, the state. (laughs) All righty, let's jump into things here. But, you know, listen to the music a little bit. Enjoy it. I hope you have a great start to your week. And again, who doesn't love that football's back? I mean, I do. I mean, I do have my fancy team and they didn't start super strong, but hey, we can all relate to that, right? All right, let's kick things off, huh? Okay, like you heard in the intro, you know how media personalities are. And I say that as I'm trying to become a media personality in the sports space. But you know, all off season, everyone's like, this is gonna happen, this isn't gonna happen. And now, Things have happened. And guess what's going to happen on Monday? You're going to wake up, you're going to turn on whatever your favorite podcast is, and everyone's going to try to backstep some of their crazy predictions. Obviously, if you've been listening to me, I'm kind of, you can tell I'm a little confident right now because I've said some good things off the bat. Thankfully, some of those things have come true. And thankfully, if you listen to my brother's episode, he's really high right now because of the Buccaneers beating the Vikings. And we, he surprised me when he said they were going to be okay. So, With all that going through, we've had a lot of games going on. You heard the Giants and Cowboys are currently playing. Jets and Buffaloes yet to play tomorrow night, a.k.a. probably today if you're listening to this on Monday. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through and kind of decipher what the new narratives are going to be about these teams after week one performances. What are the overreactions going to be? What are the underreactions going to be? And everything else in between. And I'm just going to try to give you clarity on kind of the Fugazi Fugazi you're about to hear in the world of sports. And this, because this is the podcast of truth here. So let's get into this right away. So obviously we have to start with kind of the biggest upset of the day. The Browns, they beat the Bengals 24-3. 24-3. And that is right after Joe Burrow, the sexiest quarterback in the NFL, as I've coined it, and many others have, signed the richest contract in NFL history. And they only put up three points in the in the third quarter when things were all but over at that point in terms of momentum. Now, a lot of people are like, it's Joe Burrow's fault. They couldn't get anything going. Everybody's like healthy and on the field, like what's going on? And it kind of is, but it's kind of not. Can we remember that Joe Burrow has been hurt every single off season going into then the season? All of which has been issues with him getting sacked too much or this season, a non-contact calf, knee injury, whatever they want to call it. This man didn't get to practice for six to eight weeks, I think it was. Could be wrong on that. Don't fact check me. But listen listen to that statement in itself. He didn't get to practice all offseason and was expected to come back and be the the truth teller for them and just get people the ball when and be comfortable on a football field. That's what we saw in that game. For all the people that watched the highlights of the game or watched the game like I did, 
you noticed that he seemed nervous in the pocket. He was shaking. We saw a lot of memes of other people noticing that as well. And that's kind of what it is. I mean, hey, if you've been injured as much as him, it makes sense. But what I wasn't what I was surprised about was the Browns kind of just playing consistent. Obviously, Deshaun Watson was shaking off some of the cobwebs, you know, and trying to figure it out. But I mean, Nick Chubb, when you have him rushing 18 carries for 106 yards, I mean, <laughs> that's all you really need to get momentum on your side to then be able to make easy plays. Deshaun Watson didn't win them the game, but he didn't lose them the game. So that's kind of the moral of the story there. Now, here's the overreaction. Everyone's going to say, Bengals, are they out? Everyone's like, you know what? I've been picking them from the Super Bowl. Get ready for all those people to say, never mind. I take it back. I never thought they were going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. I still think they can get like a 10-7 and 7 season, maybe even 11-6, and 6, best case. But it's really, nobody should be looking at them like a 14 and three kind of team they have to figure it out and joe burrow has to figure out his arm he hasn't practiced it's gonna take a little bit of time and the browns don't get super high on them after this don't this is the first game of the season this is how it works the browns are the browns don't remember that they're not making the playoffs every year like some of these other teams so that's my quick synopsis of that game second game a lot of new faces in new places panthers versus falcons now, we saw the Falcons dismantle the Panthers 24-10. to 10. A lot of that had to do with their defense being great and making Bryce Young have a hard time. But guess what? It's not Bryce Young's fault. Remember? We all knew this. He has no weapons. I've been on, I've been on reels talking with Panthers fans, and they're like, oh, I don't know. You've got DJ Chark. You've got Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders. And I just would let them say those things like those are good things. But then when we get to fantasy football season, you don't see anybody picking those guys up. You don't see anybody talking about these things. They don't have the pieces to make Bryce Young successful. Think of it as like a Mac Jones kind of year one. It's going to probably look a lot like that. If they go 7-10, and 10, I'd call that successful. But a lot of people have them winning the division because of Bryce. But Bryce can't do it all without any weapons. And their defense has to play better. I mean, they gave up 24 points to the Falcons. And yes, the Falcons have a ton of good weapons. But Arthur Smith didn't even use those weapons. He's using the backup running backs, who are really good, I will add. Algiers is really good. So I picked the Falcons to win that division. My brother picked the Saints. Nobody picked the Panthers, essentially, in my circle. And that's this is why. We knew this was going to take a little bit. One touchdown, two interceptions from Bryce Young. Not surprised. Kyle Pitts getting two catches for 44 yards on Atlanta. All you fantasy managers out there that drafted him, shame on you because you knew this was going to happen. Stay away from anybody on Atlanta because <laughs> Arthur Smith is not going to scheme for your fantasy team. But go Falcons. Let's keep it rolling for my, my own predictions at the end of the year. All right, Jaguars and Colts. Obviously, the Jaguars took care of business and did exactly what we wanted to. They showed us Trevor Lawrence continues to take that step as a leader and a passer. Calvin Ridley's back. No more gambling for him. He's looking shredded. He's out there catching eight catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. Fantasy people are hyped. And Travis Etienne kind of looked good for the first time in a while. I know it's been so up and down with him after such an electric career with Lawrence at Clemson. So it's great to see there. But the moral of the story with this game is Richardson didn't look that bad. They lost 31-21 to to a team that could be competing for the AFC Championship this year. That's pretty good. I wasn't mad about it. What I am mad about is the fact that he doesn't know how to get down. He likes to run over dudes. That used to work at uh, 
you know, at the college level. But unfortunately, everybody in the NFL will be as big, if not bigger than him, unless they're cornerbacks. But even those guys throw their bodies around like a rag doll. It's crazy. So he needs to not get himself hurt. He almost did at the end of the game. We'll see what happens. You know, maybe they'll be like, he's got some bruising or something or something in his leg because he, he kind of got messed up there at the end. And Minshew Magic couldn't save the day, but that's okay. That's okay. We love our kooks no matter what. So moral of the story is, Stay high on the Jaguars, but not too high. Remember who they are. And the Colts remain optimistic. That division's wide open. So if we see them in second place as like a 7-10 team overall, which would be best-case scenario, people are going to overreact to that. But that could happen. Richardson's not. Richardson's showing that he can play in this league with his kind of archetype as a quarterback. So there's that. Okay, Buccaneers, Vikings. <laughs> Oh, Kirk Cousins. Why can't why can't you figure it out, buddy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's all him. I think there's a lot going on. Obviously, second year coach. Obviously, last year was such something you just cannot hang your hat on. You cannot go, oh my gosh, we were like 14 and 3 or whatever they were, and we were so good and we were there. No, you guys had a negative point differential. You you couldn't even score more points than the opponents, yet you have so many wins. It makes no sense. And you went up against a sneaky opponent where you're, you kind of go in mentally like, oh, easy win. It's the Buccaneers with Baker. But then you forget that that team had Tom Brady last year and all the same weapons. So, of course, they played okay. Like, Baker Mayfield's not a bad quarterback. I'm tired of people, you know, like, and I love Colin Cohort, but telling him to retire? Like, what? Baker's still an NFL quarterback. Come on now. So I love to see what the Bucks were able to do in that game. And I was love to see uh, Rashad White be able to prove the doubters a little bit with 17 carries, 39 yards. He, like, made an impact a little bit because people were, like, down on him, didn't really want him to play. They're like, where's Leonard? We want Fournette back, et cetera. But, you know, Jefferson on the Viking side, still performed really well. All the fancy managers, specifically my father this week, who I'm playing, was kicking my butt for a little bit. But thankfully, the rest of their team is bad. So Jefferson can't pull you out of a win every week for your fancy managers. And again, that's just what the Vikings are. A lot of the smart people, I think, in the sports space knew that the Vikings would take a step back. And again, this is week one, so we're overreacting. But I, you know, a 98 season, kind of like the Seahawks last year, that was a success for the Seahawks. But if the Vikings step back to that, it's not going to be viewed as a success even if they make the playoffs with a record like that. So keep an eye on those kind of takes coming tomorrow and through the rest of the week as they head into some some tougher games. I mean, I'm pretty sure they got Philly next week, and so that's going to be, that's going to be tough on Thursday for them on a short week. Okay, if we head into Titans versus the Saints. And this game, my brother and I were texting about it. Let's just call this game the scared quarterback game because both quarterbacks looked like they had never thrown a pass before to start the game. It took a while for them to get into a groove of things, specifically Tannehill. He looks kind of out of it just mentally and physically. His his emotions on the field don't look good. And, you know, Derrick Henry can only do so much. They only gave him the ball 15 carries, 63 yards. And, I mean, that's probably – due to where they were at in the third quarter they were down so they had to start passing in the second half more but Derek Carr was the better quarterback that day he was able to pull it together and get over 300 yards started using his targets like Chris Olave for eight catches for 112 yards you know people were like get Michael Thomas involved Meh, 
I wouldn't want to get him super involved with Chris Olavi. The youth of the team is where you want to get the ball. So 15 to 16, I mean, a better's worst nightmare. Like, what even is that spread right there? But essentially, this game is, you know, it's it's not going to turn any heads. I've heard some crazy things out there that people are like, the Saints, they're going to win the NFC. They're going to make it to the NFC Championship. And I understand that's like, it's fun to like make bold predictions like that. But Ryan Rosillo, if... If you're hearing this, I just don't, I don't agree. I, I think if anyone's coming out of that division, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the Falcons. That's why I picked them. Look at the weapons, the weapons and the defense. They showed that in week one. So I'm interested to see people kind of step back a little bit on the saints and be like, that wasn't as impressive because again, the Titans are a team you never want to play because they'll always play a solid game across the board. Even if their quarterback struggling or Derek Henry can't get it going or this, the game plan has to shift from what they're good at. So that's the takeaways there. Really nothing to take away other than just temper expectations on both those teams as people were pretty high after some offseason moves there. Okay, so as you know, Washington State fan, so I'm obviously a Seahawks fan being Pacific Northwest up here. So I have to say some good things, unfortunately, about the 49ers versus the Steelers. And everyone out there that loves the Steelers, sorry I'm like picking on specific people. You can tell who I listen to in the sports world when it comes to that. But people were like Steelers, like Bill Simmons, respected, great voice, knows exactly what he's talking about. But I don't think so when he said the Steelers stuff. He is like, they're sneaky underdogs. I don't remember exactly how far he thinks they're going to go, but come on. They went on a win streak last week, last year. We're able to like pull off some things, but the, like it's Kenny Pickett. He throws the football with two gloves on. I don't, I'm not trying to be mean, but what is that? This isn't golf. You want to not you don't want to grip the ball, you want to let go of the ball. Like I, I don't I don't love that. So I, that's my own personal thing. He threw two interceptions, so I mean, not wrong in that assessment for at least game 1. Tough matchup. I mean, you have to play probably the best team in the NFC. Period. And I mean, you have to give it up to the 49ers at the end of the day. They handled their business. Without Christian McCaffrey, it could have been a little bit different, but 22 carries, 152 yards, and one touchdown. I mean, Lord, have mercy. Is Christian back? Like, I know last year he was, like, back, but, like, is he, like, really back to, like, those first couple of years in Carolina? He might be. I pray for his health, man, because he, he deserves everything that he gets in the NFL because he works so hard for it. And then Brandon Ayuk kind of showing out. He's like, I want a new contract. Debo's got one, you know. Bosa just got one. I want one. He's playing really well. Finally coming alive again. Don't overreact. Fantasy managers, don't overreact. But that's what I'm here to do. I'm, hope, I'm here to just say the things that are going to be talked about. Now, their defense is unstoppable. I have the 49ers defense on my team in a 14-team league. So shout out me for picking up the best defense in the league. Uh, when you have to jump a little earlier in the draft to get those types of teams uh, for your defense. But, geez, 30-7 to seven for an offense that people were like, Steelers could be making a run this year. No, I don't think so. I think this is a momentum killer for a team. The Steelers are going to take a little bit to get back on track. I mean, Najee Harris didn't do much. George Pickens did nothing. Kenny Pickett could only do what he what he could do. Again, I believe the, the Steelers are going to be okay, like they have been in the last five years, even 10 years, honestly. So the 49ers, I mean, props to you. I don't want to play you at all right now. I'd, I'd like to see you later in the year as a Seahawks fan. So shout out them for that great week one. And it, I all the offseason hype was, was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. 
All right, we go to uh, Cardinals Commanders. Now, I remember the line on this game being crazy, and people were like, I want to take it. I was like, it's going to be a blowout. You got to go Commanders all day. But they held their own, and that's to be expected. I mean, what did we really expect from Sam Howell? Just to get his feet under him, and that's what he did. One touchdown, one interception. Didn't lose them the game. He runs in a touchdown as well. You know, the Cardinals still have players. You know, James Conner can only do so much. Joshua Dobbs has been in the league for a while. Like, they're not going to be awful, and the commanders aren't great. They're still figuring out their offense. They could have a sneaky good wide receiver core at the end of the year. And nobody's really talking about them because of their quarterback, Sam Howell, but I think Sam Howell has the composure and the play style to keep them in games. Like, not losing them games. Just keep them there. Think of like a Kirk Cousins, but a little more mobile and younger doesn't really have all that wear and tear. When you have a team with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel, that's pretty good. I know you hear all those names and you always hear, okay, someone gets injured. Okay, someone's a little overhyped, Curtis Samuel. Someone's, uh, you know, not reached their potential, Terry McLaurin. A lot of these things are like kind of out of their controls because as wide receivers, you need to be throwing the ball unless you're dropping it all the time. Shout out, you know. Kadarius Tony, but that's just like how the commanders are going to win games 20 to 16 you know just just winning the defensive line and then their offense not losing them the game 20 to 16 against the Cardinals you'll take it one and oh you're going to forget about this game and just remember it as a win at the end of the day so I'm high on the commanders right now it's kind of a team I don't want to play kind of like we talked about the Titans the other week I don't want to see the commanders on a schedule they're going to be good. They're going to be okay. And they're just going to disrupt things even if they go 500 this year. Perfect. Heading into the Ravens versus the Texans. Now, did anyone really think the Texans had a shot? Raise your hand. No, put them down. Because if you raised your hand, that was that was wrong. That was a wrong take. I know we're really excited. A lot of people are like, rookie of the year, CJ Stroud. They just don't got it. They don't got it. And that's okay. That's how it's going to be. I mean, he threw for 242 yards. Not a touchdown. Not an interception. Nothing. He didn't lose them the game. But they just, like, he's throwing to Nico Collins. Okay. Damian Pierce in the backfield. Dalton Schultz, you know. Their defense, meh. Their defense, like, with the scoreboard, you might think, did pretty well because Lamar, you know, didn't do much. I know that because I literally have him on my fantasy team. Um, but that's like this is week one. So offenses aren't going to be fully buttoned up. Even the 49ers, you, you'd be like, meh, I don't know. Like their offense looked good in moments, but can Brock Purdy, you know, take that next step? We'll see. So overall, if I was a Texans fan, I'd be a little more worried because you're lucky to have gotten off 25 to 9. It could have been 40 to 9 if you played the 49ers or the Dolphins or the Chargers in week one, teams that had their offenses humming. But yeah, the Ravens just got struck with the injury bug on both sides of the ball. I mean, prayers to those guys. It's just so unfortunate to see guys that work so hard get hurt right to start the year, especially on a team like the Ravens where everybody's rooting for them. They're always doubted. And we're all just like, I'd love to see a new face to come alive in that division. And the Ravens are kind of that team because Lamar just has such a you know an aura about him, and I, I love watching him play. So hopefully they continue to keep things up. Twenty-five to nine, I'm not mad, but I'm also not hyped about it. If I'm a Ravens fan, okay, time to head into some 
some interesting games now. These last five games I'm going to go over have been kind of the biggest narrative changers that are going to be talked about this week. So, first of all, if you're a Bears fan, I politely ask you to turn off this podcast. I say that because your your time is up. The offseason was fun. You got DJ Moore. You got better players according to, you know, multiple sources. But um, I think we all forgot collectively, not me, but when I say we, I just want to make sure that we're all in this together and people don't feel bad. But we all forgot that they were the worst team in the NFL last year. Yeah, the Panthers chose first. That's because the Bears traded out of that pick. So what did we think? We thought they were going to take that step and finally beat their arch nemesis Packers because they have DJ Moore with Justin Fields. We don't even know about Justin Fields. He just runs. I'm looking at the stats right now, and the first stat they're showing me is his nine carries for 59 yards. Not any passing stats. I'm sorry, but you need to be able to pass it as well as throw it. And again, it's not all his fault. It's not. This is multiple things at play here. Offensive line, not great. Great defense on the Packers. And the Ohio State quarterback curse. If you are a kid in high school right now and your dream is to be in the NFL, do not go to Ohio State. You won't make it in the NFL. Even if you're great, you won't. So, and then everyone that hated Jordan Love, you know, all those media broadcast guys, oh, stop it right now. You're all like, we don't have any film on him. We don't have any tape. Yeah, because he was backing up the two-time in the past three years MVP and perennial Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. They drafted this kid as an, a precaution for if Aaron Rodgers got hurt or teetered on leaving every single year. So don't act like Jordan Love hadn't played to this point because of him. There was no way he was going to do better in practice for them not to play Aaron Rodgers all these years. Jordan Love put up 245 yards and three touchdowns. Now, again, you're like, whoa, you're overreacting. They did it against the Bears. You're right. You're right. But he proved everyone wrong. He proved everyone that he was ready for the moment. This is an NFL team. These are starters. He proved, especially for a team everyone was like, the Bears are going to make make a jump from 4-12 and 12 or whatever. No. Jordan Love deserves all the credit for sitting as a backup for all those years and then coming out and performing like this to start off. Yes, their defense really, you know, carried in this game, you know, pick six and stuff like that, but come on now. Matt LaFleur, hats off to you. Nobody was giving you respect either. I mean, geez, Louise. Bears, I'm sorry, you're owned by Green Bay. You literally, your home is no longer your home. That is Green Bay's home. And will always be that until somebody can win on a, with a Bears jersey on. Oh, yeah, so the nerve is going to switch. Everyone's going to be Packers top 10 team, Jordan Love, sneaky comeback player for whatever reason, why he would be a comeback player. You know, it's just going to be ridiculous. So get ready for that. But just remember, there was no tape on him. We hadn't seen him yet. So, of course, he could have surprised us like this and done well. All righty. We head into the Raiders versus the Broncos. I think the Denver Broncos might need to delete the franchise. I think they had a really good run with, like, that whole, you know, Peyton Manning thing for a little bit. And then, you know, John Elway 
But ever since Peyton Manning, it's kind of like the Colts where things have just not been good. And I'm saying this as a Seahawks fan, so obviously I really enjoyed Russell Wilson on my team. But goodness, 16 points versus the Raiders, who arguably could have could have, and still could be the worst team in the NFL. The Raiders only put up 17, but all you need is one to beat a team. One more point. Jimmy G did what he does and doesn't lose games, but can win you a game. 200 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers showed out, showed the Patriots. Why'd you let go of me? Nine catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns. The only good bright spot on the on the Broncos side is uh, Javante Williams come back, coming back off that ACL, PCL, MCL, whatever happened to his knee for 13 carries for 52 yards. Nothing special, but hey, you got your knee surgically repaired. We're just glad to have you back on the field. This game was ugly. I didn't like re-watching some of the stuff on my phone. I was like, ah, take this off. You know that meme of that guy wearing the headphones and he just was like ripping them off of his face? Gosh, that's how I felt watching this. I was like, oh, this is ugly. But hey, if I'm a Raiders fan, I'm like, yes, let's go. Let's go. New era. Jimmy G. I mean, he's not terrible. And that's what I've been saying. He's never been terrible. He took the 49ers to like two NFC championships. He also got like the biggest contract in NFL history when he he came over as well. That could be wrong on that. You know, just embellishing. But wow, the Broncos. I mean, Sean Payton, we expected more. We heard a lot in the offseason. You talked a lot. You talked a lot, and the NFL uh, scheduling committee said, hey, here's a gimme to start the year. He didn't put it together. So that is why I'm requesting the deletion of one franchise. Let's open up shops somewhere new. Let's get a football team in Alabama, something weird like that. I don't know, Maine? Do people live there? I don't know. But that is what I feel about. That's my over-under reaction. I feel kind of the same way about these two teams in the offseason, and they proved exactly what they were in that game. Exactly. So the narrative shouldn't change that much. Okay, Eagles, Patriots. Ooh, nail-biter. Eagles holding on. That's what everyone said. A lot of people were right about this being like a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, you know? Super Bowl hangover just as in so much as going into this year. A lot of the same pieces in more pieces. But the Patriots held on. They were around. Mac Jones looked pretty good. 300 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception. But Jalen Hurts just stayed composed. And that's the narrative that needs to remain the same. He stayed composed. Their defense is top two, top three in the NFL. Also on my fantasy team, shout out me for taking that away from other people. 49ers and Eagles on the same team. Yeah, nobody's getting a good defense this year in my league. But that is just how a team needs to win. It's ugly, but you win 25-20. You take it, and you go on to the next game. Nothing more to say there. Patriots could be a sneaky, dangerous team unless you know some weird stuff takes place where they start calling things differently week to week, schematically. All right, hold on. Let me take a water break before we get to these last two as one of them is going to be a little more emotional than the other. I'll let you take a guess at which one we haven't talked about yet. But Okay, Dolphins Chargers. Talk about the probably the best game of week one. 36-34, Dolphins beat the Chargers. Tua Tungavailoa. Through 466 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. On God, that is the most yards I've seen on a stat sheet in a long time. 
I can't, I can't remember the last time I saw 466. And guess who caught 215 of those? Tyreek Hill. 11 catches, 215 yards, and two touchdowns. Remember when people were like, the Chiefs traded him because he's done. His body's breaking down. His speed, he'll lose it. It's now two years in a row where that does not seem to be the case. Gosh, I mean, this was a slugfest. What I took away from these two uh, these two games, this game, I mean, is that these offenses are high-powered, but their defenses are booty. Throw it out. Start over. Start from scratch. I know this is the new NFL, but we're talking over 70, almost 80 points. Like, what are we? What are we doing on defense? What happened to these pro bowlers on each side of the ball, specifically for the Chargers? I don't know. I don't know, but you got to throw them out. You got to tear it down to the bolts, throw it out, whatever you need to do. But Tua, holy cow. Give me that, dude. Good for you, man. I mean, you deserve it. You went through, what, like five concussions last year, it seemed? You had a broken hip in college? Like, oh, just the worst things. And you come out and ball out like that? That's incredible. I'm rooting for him. I hope he stays healthy. Hope he stays continuously healthy. And again, that jiu-jitsu is paying off in the offseason. He's moving around a little more fluidly. I like it. And the Chargers, don't hang your head too low. That's how it works. The defense, you should. You should not be able to sleep very well at night. But everyone on the offensive side, and Kellen Moore uh, calling the plays on that, should feel good about what they did. Justin Herbert is going to get way too much praise for his performance. I mean, sure, he did great. But let's chill out on the Justin Herbert. You know, shout, shout out. Normal expectations for players, please. But I, I'm just I'm like watching the Dallas game, and if Dallas wasn't winning right now and destroying, I would just like I saw a meme by someone I follow on Threads that was like the the Cowboys watching Kellen Moore cook up plays for uh, Justin Herbert to throw for like 300 yards plus, and they've put up 34 points, and they're just like, why couldn't you have done that? And then you remember like, okay, Herbert, Dak, you know, a little bit different weapons, etc. So. Just a great game. I think expectations need to remain the same because if you're putting up this many points but you can't play defense, that's going to become an issue. And now that there's tape out there, people people are going to schematically make up for what they saw and make sure that you don't do that again. But again, we watched the Eagles do it last year, but I don't know if I look at the Dolphins or the Chargers just rolling through the league this year like the Eagles did last year. So TVD on both of those two teams, but overall, Tua, man, whew incredible okay i saved the best for last and when i mean best i mean worst being a seahawks fan today was was scary it was scary for a lot of reasons it quite literally scared geno smith the the meme that's going around is aaron donald blitzing him and him audibly saying on a hot mic oh my god <sighs> yeah, that's what i would say too i mean you have to understand the Seahawks came in with way too much expectations. After blowing their low expectations last year, everyone said best case four wins last year. Like first draft pick, they should start looking into a new quarterback, etc. And Geno didn't write back all year. And we went nine and eight. Remember, nine and eight. Not not twelve wins, not ten wins. Barely nine wins. Like we were fighting that we had the Lions beating the Green Bay Packers to get into the playoffs. Like that's how crazy it was, how the the expectations have flipped. 
So we lost 30 to 13 to the Rams today. And for those that watch that game, you are feeling the same way I am. The Rams had the low expectations coming into this game and just proved everyone wrong. Matthew Stafford has been written off like he's retiring. He looked amazing, 334 yards throwing the ball. There's receivers I'd never heard about, Atwell and some other name, can't remember, trying to erase this game from my memory, did amazing. And the Seahawks side looked good to start the game. And remember, we went into halftime up 13-7. to But then, to start the second half, our two best offensive tackles, oh, and when I say tackles, I mean left tackle and right tackle. So our edges, maybe the most important side, the, the most important positions on offense that nobody talks about, go down. Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross go down. Don't come back in the game. We don't know what's up with them. And guess what started to happen? Gino couldn't get the ball anywhere. I was watching the game. And I was looking at the TV and, you know, I'm listening and whatnot, just like, man, I don't even think we've gotten like a yard this second half. And right after I said that, the announcer goes, the Seattle Seahawks have only picked up three scrimmage yards this uh, second half. And I'm like, five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like, are you joking? So if anyone tries to tell you that offensive line doesn't matter, they need to jump off of a cliff because that's not true. I want everyone that has a good offensive line to send them, you know, fan mail, telling them how amazing they are, telling them whatever you need, we're here for you as a fan. Because having an offensive line means everything in the NFL. If Geno doesn't have time to throw and we can't run the ball, what are we? We're dead in the water. And we lose 30-13 to to a team that doesn't have Cooper Cup, has like 20 new starters on the offense and defensive side, and Aaron Donald, who's a menace and can single-handedly destroy your team. I just, the energy was high in the first half. I was excited. Our defense didn't look good, but I was excited that Gino was going to be able to cook. And then it just got out of hand. Then we started doing dumb stuff, getting dumb penalties. DK, I love your effort and your, I love your passion, but stop lighting dudes up for no reason. <sighs> Man. I know a lot of you are Seattle Seahawks fans, so... I hope this doesn't bum your day out too much, but dang, we got to bounce back and it's only going to get tougher. It's only going to, we got the Lions next week. They're going to be tough. And if we don't have our two offensive tackles, oof, oof. Okay. That's the NFL. Obviously it's 26, zero Dallas right now in the third quarter. Yeah. It was a good, it's probably a good time being a Giants fan. I wouldn't know. I don't I don't want to know. And then, you know, tomorrow we got Bills and Jets. I don't think expectations are going to change in that one. A little preview of that for everyone. I think it's either going to be a shootout or a low-scoring game. People are either trying to get their legs under them or they're going to come out the gate firing. These two offenses have the ability to come out firing. They're very similar. Each of them has the ability to go downfield. Stephon Diggs, Garrett Wilson, that's going to be two guys putting up big numbers because their quarterbacks love them. And they also both have top 10 defenses. So that's what could make it slow down because if you're only able to target your favorite two targets, it might not allow for high-scoring game. But then we watched the Bills dismantle the Rams last year in week one. So I just think, you know, 
that game is going to be fun, but we're not going to learn a lot because those are two really good teams. And we're just going to look for those normal things. Like is our Diggs and Allen good? Is the O-line for the Jets going to be an issue? How's Dalvin Cook look? Is uh, Garrett Wilson going to take that next step in his second year? You know, is their defense on the Bills okay, even though it's been hindered? Can they run the ball this year? I don't know. I have some Bills fans that I'm friends with. I don't think they think so. So we'll have to see in that game there. But that is just a little bit of a preview. Over under 45 and a half points. Buffalo minus two to win that game. I don't know. I'm feeling the under on that. Kind of feeling like that Thursday night game, 21-20 Lions kind of thing. Okay. Last game, obviously the Lions Chief on Thursday. We kind of already went over this. Again, follow me on threads if you haven't already. I know everyone still loves Twitter and whatnot, but I decided to start my little sports commentating commentating journey on threads. That is where I talk about kind of the things that are top of mind right when they're happening, you know, like live updates. But in that game, don't overreact to the Chiefs and don't underreact to the Lions. They played well. They played well. I don't care that they didn't have Kelsey or Chris Jones. They played well. So give them the props they deserve. And Jared Goff doesn't get talked about enough, but he he helped them win that game there. But that wraps up kind of my NFL monologue, for lack of a better word. So we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to jump into some college football things I want to talk about real quick for the for the real fans out there of the college football world. So be right back. And we're back for the last segments of the show here. Obviously, I'm using the word segments more because I want, you know, act like we're on Sports Center here, you know, like jump into top 10 plays of the week or whatever. And a lot of people have been telling me and suggesting, you know, segments to say. And so I have some of those here. And this first segment is going to be about my mother in law because she has been a huge fan of this podcast and has been su- suggesting me to do this, uh, you know for a while now because of she's a big sports fan and she always asks me questions about things and I'm always you know responding with my opinions and etc and this week she essentially asked me about why do players get penalized for taking off their helmet while they're on the field and she noticed that in one of the games she was watching this weekend and it's essentially you know you break it down it's a form of taunting that's why in the college level you don't see people dancing they call it unsportsmanlike etc and it kind of led me to kind of think in inter introspect or whatever the word is about why don't they let college players celebrate as much? Cause it's just not as fun. I've seen a couple plays in the first two weeks of the college football season where players have been penalized for dancing on their way to the end zone or maybe taunting a little bit or talking too much smack during the game. I understand there's a line. But in the NFL, the line is much longer. You can uh, really play on both sides of that line a lot easier. But in college, for whatever reason, they try to be more buttoned up. And I, I'm just not a fan. I'm going to be honest. As an, inter- as an entertainment product, which it is, there's no reason these players can't be celebrating their achievements on the field. That's my, that's obviously, I think the helmet thing's a little much. You don't want to take that off for safety reasons because dudes are headbutting each other without helmets on. That's dangerous. I get that. But I want to see, you know, the Tyreek Hill uh, fingers up toward not, and when I say fingers up, I do not mean flipping someone off. I mean the peace sign. <laughs> Clarify for any viewers that don't watch Tyreek Hill. But 
and dancing to the end zone and being able to celebrate in the end zone a little bit more, you know, with your team, et cetera. And I just think it's very important for the college game as it's shifting so much that it shifts those rules around for the entertainment value of it. I know there's a lot of old school, you know, fans of it that want it super buttoned up. They want it professional, et cetera, but it's the new game. You watch the NFL. That's how it is. And it should be the same in college. And again, college has so many things wrong with it that that's how it needs to, you know, it's going to be a slower progression than it would be in the NFL. And that's why more people I think like the NFL than college. But I watched Colorado this weekend dismantle Nebraska. And a lot of people are like, dismantle? It was a close game for a while. Yeah, but then they dismantled them. Shadour Sanders then dismantled them. Travis Hunter, dismantled. Deion Sanders, dismantled. And they really are getting a lot of backlash for the way that they are expressing themselves before, during, and after what they've done so far, which is historic, I might add, for people that don't think this is a big deal. They're 2-0, and whatever. You don't understand. They had 50-plus new players on the team. They threw it all out. Remember when I've told all these other teams to delete the system, start over? They quite literally did that at Colorado and ended up upsetting the runner-up team, TCU, in week one and then beating the Big Ten Nebraska team that was supposed to have higher expectations with Matt Rule coming in, new new quarterback in Sims, etc. But what Colorado did was turn around a 1-11 program by hiring one of the most authentic coaches in all of sports come in, bring all of his luggage as he calls it. And it's Louie. And he was not lying and turn an entire program around in essentially a summer. It's incredible. He's been able to get players to come to his school, transfer all around. And he's turned this program into a sneaky powerhouse. And I say sneaky because yes, they haven't played a long enough season to have enough film yet and their defense offensive line you know their you know composure in some spots has been a little bit shaky but they're the last team I want to play and they're the last team that I want to be quiet I want them to keep talking that's what's fun about the sport these teams are able to talk the talk and then walk the walk and even if they talk the talk and don't walk the walk it's just fun you know it just raises the level of intensity when people are like, they need to be quiet and they need to you know, just go about their business, I don't agree. Every great team that we've seen in history, think about Nick Saban in Alabama, super vocal. Vocal to his own team, vocal to the press, vocal to college football as a whole. We love to see it. We reward that type of behavior. And it's not even behavior. We reward that type of passion in our sport. And so I want them to keep doing what they're doing. I don't want to play them this year as a Coug fan. Uh, Washington State specifically for those that don't know our mascot. But dang, what they're doing is incredible. Is incredible. You don't understand. It's like Shohei Otani, what he's doing in the MLB. Like that's what Travis Hunter is doing on a football field right now. Incredible. So that's kind of my segment with the mother-in-law. Shout out mother-in-law out there. I know you're listening to this, so I appreciate it. But that wraps up the segment there and I hope to have more you know, questions that I talk about with people and then I come and bring my opinion to the table on it because I think it needs to be talked about specifically in this one that people are surprised and people are almost angry that this is happening. Nah, I'm, I'm hyped. This is what college football needs. They need people like Deion Sanders and they need it. What they also need, 
and this goes into the next segment, probably my most passionate segment. And I know I've said that a couple of times, but I, if, if you were in my household on a Saturday night, and when I say that, I mean my wife, you know how passionate I was about the Washington State Cougs beating the number 19 Wisconsin Badgers in Pullman, Washington on national television with Lewis Riddick on the call in dramatic fashion. See, remember, everyone was like, oh, the Pac-12, they're terrible. They're dismantling. They're all going abroad. Yeah, all those teams made bad decisions. They did what's best for them or not even what's best for them. Shout out Cal and Stanford. You you guys are not going to be making any money for your program. But us, Pac-2, or what people are now referring to it as the (laughs) Tupac or the Tupac, Oregon State and Washington State, the state schools, which everyone likes to doubt, because it's got the ST initial next to it, just has now for the second year in a row pulled off an upset against the Wisconsin Badgers, which were ranked number 19 last year and number 19 this year with all their changes, all their new quarterbacks and running backs and players. The Washington State unranked Cougars just beat the Big Ten powerhouse of Wisconsin. People are like, well, hey, whoa, 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 powerhouse? The only powerhouses we have is Ohio State and Michigan. No, no, you actually have Wisconsin. And you sometimes have Michigan State. And you talk big game about Iowa. But we just dismantled your team two years in a row. We own the state of Wisconsin. I can't wait to go there and start planting flags right off the airport. So, as Washington State and Oregon State have smartly done now, because Oregon State is holding their own, and winning games, they're 2-0 and and still ranked in the top 15 or whatever. Now the Cougs are ranked number 23. We are no longer, and I'm saying this for our athletic directors and our conference leaders, so please listen and follow my direction here. We are no longer begging to join conferences. No. We are now accepting applications for when you are ready for a state, two state schools to come in and kick ass in your conference. People are like, what has Washington State done? You remember Gardner? Remember Gardner? Remember what we did? Remember the air raid with Mike Leach? Rest in peace. Remember Luke Falk? Remember all these guys leading college football for a couple of years? We have been the definition of consistency for the last decade and never get no respect. Because, yeah, we're not the Oregon or the Washington or we don't have the name brand of USC who used to be shit for five years before Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley showed up. So, again, this point is going to get very convoluted because it's very emotional to me. (laughs) And when I say emotional, I'm laughing about it, obviously. We, the way college football is going is team, and I talked about this with one of my uncles over threads the other day. So, shout out, shout out Uncle Mike on this one. What the college football landscape needs to do is reward good teams in what they describe as lower conferences and demote bad teams in good conferences. Are kids as passionate about football uh, for Vanderbilt or Rutgers or uh, Maryland or... Any any place down there? Like, are we like Purdue? We're super excited about football. No, 
take a trip to Pullman, Washington, or rewatch that game and see the passion that is in that stadium and in those players and in everything else, and tell me you don't want this no-name school in your conference. That's the way it should be. We need to reward the teams that are not national brands. They're just the teams of college football. And that's what Washington State and Oregon State are. They are the teams of college football. And people on the West Coast really care about it. I know it gets made fun of that football is more of a Southern Midwest kind of sport. But on the West Coast, people care. They really do care. Don't listen to those media personalities that say that they don't care. So essentially what I'm saying at the end of the day is, hey, if you're the you're the Big 12 Hey, if you're the ACC, hey, hey, if you're the SEC, you know what? You know, kick kick Vandy out. You know what would be a better game for you guys? Alabama versus Wazoo. That's what we want, Bama. Like, I don't care. That would be a better game than Vanderbilt getting stomped. And guess what? You would have kids going to Pullman wanting to play football so that they could have the chance against these upper echelon teams. That's what I'm trying to say. But people don't go to Vanderbilt to have that opportunity. They go because... They didn't get that opportunity at those other schools. So, golly, Wisconsin. <laughs> God, I would not want to be you. I I know you're just being a badger over there, just enjoying your weekend, and now you're listening to this, and you're just bummed out to start your week. You should no longer be ranked in the top 25 to preseason rankings. I don't want to hear it anymore. And second of all, put some respect on the Pac-12, everyone. We have the talent, and we're coming over to all your conferences now. You're going to regret letting everyone in. We have the best QB conference in the nation. Everyone is an NFL quarterback. Nah, not everyone, but you know what I mean. There's maybe two NFL quarterbacks in the SEC. There are six NFL quarterbacks in the Pac-12. So... And again, when I say NFL, you know what I mean. Not everyone's starting, but they're going to be backups or get opportunities, etc. So that kind of ends my emotional rant here. I know we're almost coming up on an hour here. So I just want to shout out everyone that's listening to this. I hope you've enjoyed this kind of more laid back style to this one. Again, I just wanted to put some content out there, kind of my initial reactions, talk about narratives that are changing across the, across the board in NFL in college. And I hope I just picked up some Washington State fans in this podcast here because if you want to watch some fun football watch the Cougs it's a great environment and if you haven't been to Pullman Washington shout out Pullman Washington you got to go there and Corvallis I mean Oregon State's making a name for themselves but that wraps everything up again I really appreciate all the support for this podcast I don't say it enough and when I say I don't say it enough I try to say it like once or twice every single episode but I'm getting a lot of shout outs and texts and uh, shout outs on you know social media about everything that people have enjoyed and I've even heard you know secondhand comments from people and I just really appreciate the the silent followers the silent people that are just having a good time enjoying something that's a little different on the sports world so shout out all you guys everyone everyone in between so I really appreciate it keep listening share it with your friends again this is on Spotify Apple Google podcast and Podbean so enjoy it and yeah, let's have a good week, huh? You know, we're head, headed deep into September. A lot of good football coming up, so you know you're going to get a lot more content from me. So let me know if you have any questions about the things I've been talking about or you have any suggestions. I love suggestions. That's why I did the mother-in-law topic today. I, I love it. I want to expand this thing and, you know, get it out to as many people that want it. So 
Shout out all you guys. Show about sports. We're wrapping it up here. Still no outro. So it's just going to end. So have a good week, y'all. <laughs>